Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 316 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story comes from the northwest of England and once again focuses on one of the key themes of this podcast. Perception versus reality. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters at Patreon, but especially the new members this week. That's Helen McGrow and Steve Taylor. Join us in December on an annual subscription to receive a 10% discount, and I'll also send you a signed copy of my book on Scottish serial killer Angus Sinclair. What more could anyone in your life want for Christmas? Just head to patreon.com slash UK True Crime. I'm delighted that today's show is sponsored by Noom. You know, for me and most people I speak with, the numbers that we see when we weigh aren't the reason that we lose weight. For me, it was about getting walking in this lovely part of Scotland where I live and having the energy to do so. Noom's psychology approach has worked for me as it's so intuitive. For example, I just don't food shop when I'm hungry I don't not eat during the day or I know that I just want a snack at night. You know how it is, don't you? And it isn't just for me that Noom has worked. Did you know that so far, Noom has helped more than 3.6 million people lose weight? A huge number. Active Noomers lose an average of £15 in 16 weeks and 95% of customers say Noom weight is a good long-term solution. So what are you waiting for? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom Weight Psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash UKTCpod. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash UKTCpod to sign up for your trial today. So let's set the scene for our story with our non-award winning guest of the month and year game. Top of the UK charts was the Spice Girls with Two Become One. Tony Braxton was at the top spot in the US with Unbreak My Heart. And in Australia, the top album was Savage Garden by Savage Garden. I wonder if the members of the band who have children are in that strange bunch who call their own children their own first name. I never get that, do you? In the news this month, Carlos the Jackal was on trial in Paris. I need that sort of name, I think. Adam the Pigeon, maybe. British sailor Tony Bullymore was rescued in the Southern Ocean five days after his boat capsized in freezing waters. East 17 singer Brian Harvey was dismissed from the band after publicly commenting that the drug ecstasy is safe. Chris Evans resigned from his BBC Radio 1 show after his request for a four-day week was refused. Since joining the station for his breakfast show, he'd boosted audience numbers by 700,000. And an underground anti-road protest ended as the last protester, Swampy, remember him? Emerged from the network of tunnels beneath the A30 extension site in Devon. 
I so hope that Swampy hasn't sold out and is now working as a banker. Don't you? Anyway, did you guess the month and year? It was January 1997. Today's story comes from Southport, a seaside resort in the northwest of England, which is around 12 miles southwest of Preston and about 20 miles north of Liverpool. Southport is well known for golf, with the Royal Birkdale Golf Course situated in the dunes to the south of the town, which has hosted the Open Championship and two Ryder Cups. The Marine Lake lies between the town centre and the sea, and it's used for a variety of water sports and is home to Southport Sailing Club. The club has been there since the 1950s, and as well as offering great sailing on a fine piece of water, there's a really strong social side which is key to our story today. It was the 8th of January 1997. 37-year-old Paul Longworth was distraught as he called 999 to tell how he had found his wife of nine years, 29-year-old Tina Longworth, at their home. He'd been at Southport Sailing Club that evening to celebrate his 37th birthday and on arriving home he'd found Tina hanging from a banister with photographs of their two young children, Abby, aged seven, and Matthew, aged five, who were fast asleep just feet away around her. He then woke neighbours crying and screaming that he needed help and luckily one neighbour was a nurse. She came round and she searched for Tina's pulse as Paul sat on the stairs cradling Tina's head and stroking her hair as the tears rolled down his face. Tragically, it seemed that Tina had taken her own life and she was declared dead at the scene. There was no note, which was a little unusual, especially as Tina was a prolific writer. But Paul was able to explain to the police that Tina had suffered with mental illness and had received treatment for a phobia she had about cancer. He told how she'd been depressed, despite all his efforts and those of his children to help her. The police at the scene of a crime often have an instinct when something isn't right, developed over years of experience, and they were immediately suspicious because of how Paul behaved. This devastated husband almost ran back into his home to find Tina's organ donor card as her body was literally being carried out of the house on the way to the morgue. And when he was initially interviewed, he seemed too calm, telling officers to fire away. Is that what you say when you're being interviewed about your wife's death? Then during the interview itself, he was extremely articulate unable to talk very clearly about Tina. There were other indications at the scene that all was not as it seemed. Tina had taken a contraceptive pill just hours before her death. Of course, this didn't mean that she wouldn't take her own life, but it was unusual. And Tina had kept a diary, and the tone of her writing suggested that she was deeply unhappy in her relationship and this was backed up by the letters she'd written to her granddad. This writing also suggested she'd made a complete recovery from her phobia of cancer, and she wasn't showing any signs of depression at all. 
And then at her post-mortem, pathologists found 36 separate marks on Tina's body, including a number of scratches on her neck, indicating she'd been attacked and that she'd fought for her life. Was it her husband, Paul Longworth, who had attacked her? And had he killed Tina? Detectives began to look more into the couple's life. Paul Longworth, a technician at Specsavers, married Tina in 1989, and everyone they spoke to told how she was a devoted wife and mum who worshipped the children and kept her home beautiful. As well as looking after the house and all the time she spent on this for her family, she also managed to find some time for three part-time jobs to bring money into the home. I don't know how she had the energy, do you, with two young children? But she did all she could to make their marriage happy and to provide a safe and content environment for her children to grow up. But Paul was frankly changing into a nasty and unpleasant man. Or maybe he'd always been that way and he'd just hidden it well. He began to have affairs. He spent more time out on his own in the evenings, especially at the sailing club. And he called Tina boring and a misery. He wasn't shy about being unkind to her in front of others. For example, when Tina's boat capsized during an event and Tina fell into the water, he told a friend, I hope she doesn't come up. Increasingly, Paul was proving a bit of a pain to other members of the sailing club. He tired of this nastiness and also the constant unwanted attention he paid to female members of the club after they'd made it very, very clear that they weren't interested in him. You know how it is, right? As we are now in the throes of the Christmas party season, Paul Longworth, he was that guy. At work, his behaviour was really bad too. In his trusted group of colleagues, he felt it was okay to laugh about hitting and even raping his wife. He told colleagues how when it rained, he took the car keys just so she would get wet walking to work. He also told how he looked at her a few times when she was sleeping and had had to try hard to resist the temptation to smother her. For the Christmas of 1996, Paul didn't buy Tina any presents and didn't give the children money to get her any presents either. Can you imagine how that must have felt for the young mum? Someone who not only physically assaulted her, but bullied her psychologically too. Understandably, it really affected her confidence. Tina was desperately unhappy but felt helpless as the situation deteriorated around her. And soon the rear commodore at Southport Sailing Club, a fireman, Gary Silcock, began listening to her and paying her attention and soon they were having a full-blown affair. The couple would often drive to secluded spots in the local area where they would have sex in his car, with the last time being the day before Tina died. But as Tina began to regain her self-confidence from the time she was spending with Gary, her husband clearly hated this and he became even more possessive and cruel. Just weeks before her death, he goaded her in front of the children, saying that she needed him and if he left, she would be penniless. He even turned to his own two young children and told them, you won't have a daddy. 
The night before Tina died in an argument, Paul called her a worthless piece of shit and threatened to break every bone in her body. But despite all this treatment that Paul dished out to her and the children, Tina didn't want to hurt them by leaving and feeling that she was breaking up their family. Paul was interviewed again by detectives, now being seen as a suspect for murder. He said he was surprised by the tone of Tina's writing, as their marriage was perfectly normal. Later, he admitted that he and Tina had experienced what he called a somewhat turbulent year, but he still denied killing her. Detectives didn't believe him, and they believed on the night, the truth was that Paul had killed his wife and then gone back to the party at the sailing club to provide an alibi for himself. They believed the couple had an argument on the morning of Paul's birthday. He admitted he'd ripped up a birthday card in front of his wife in the morning. He went to work and when he came back, the argument had continued. They believed the killing itself was less a crime of passion than of temper. And when he'd killed her, Longworth then strung Tina's body from the banisters of their home with a piece of sailing rope as their children slept nearby and he scattered pictures of them near her body to make it look like suicide. Longworth was an accomplished and persuasive liar, and even Tina's family could not believe he could have killed her and protested his innocence. But still, Paul Longworth faced trial at Liverpool Crown Court for the murder of Tina. The trial lasted for a month and the evidence was heartbreaking for Tina's family and friends to sit through. Gary Silcock, who was having the affair with Tina, told how she met me for the same reason I met her. Things weren't right at home. She didn't want to leave Paul. She didn't want to hurt him. And she couldn't leave her children. He told how just the day before Tina was killed, she told him about Longworth's continued nasty behaviour and he had said to her, Tina, you cannot carry on like this. You have to leave him and go to your mum's or get a flat. But Tina just dismissed it. Gary said, I knew it was wrong, but when we met it was like another world. We would talk, laugh, go for picnics. Tina never made any demands on me. Although she didn't love Paul, she didn't want to hurt him. The jury found Longworth guilty of murder and he was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum tariff of 14 years. Turning to him at sentencing, the judge said to him, You are callous, violent and wicked. You snuffed out the life of your wife entirely for your own selfish reasons without regard for your children. As he was sent down to begin his sentence, Longworth mouthed to family in the public gallery, I didn't do it. Detective Inspector Bob Morrison, who investigated the case, said, I was convinced from day one that he killed his wife. Paul Longworth has been described as a ruthless and callous individual. The murder he committed and his actions since have proved that description to be true. Although I am obviously pleased with the result, the reality of today is that two young children have in effect lost their father as well as their mother. He was surprised, he said, that Tina's family had supported Longworth throughout the trial, 
but this really showed how plausible Longworth's lies had been. Eight years later, Longworth finally confessed to killing Tina. Tina's daughter, 21-year-old Abby Longworth, told the Daily Mirror how she had typed her name into Google five years earlier, expecting to see some pictures of nights out with friends. But instead, for the first time she found out that her dad had murdered her mum. It was horrifying, recalled Abby. I couldn't tear my eyes away from the newspaper reports. It was as though I was reading about someone else's life and not mine. I was so shocked. I couldn't talk to anyone about it. For years I'd never known what had happened to mum. My mum, she worked at a school nursery. And if I was sick, she took me to work with her, tucked me into one of the sick bays and gave me lots and lots of kisses and cuddles. Abby still recalled the last time she'd seen her mum, saying how she and her brother had been at the sailing club until about 9pm before Tina took them home and put them to bed while Paul stayed on at the club. I kissed mum goodnight and went straight to sleep, but hours later I woke to hear mum and dad rowing. I crept out of bed onto the landing, but dad caught me and ordered me back to bed. The next day she woke to see her mum's sister on the edge of the bed. She took Abby and her brother downstairs where her dad was slumped in an armchair in tears with loads of police officers around. In the car, her mum's sister explained to Matthew and Abby that their mum had gone and wouldn't be coming back and they'll be living with her for a while. Just imagine that as seven years old, being told your mum is never coming back. How utterly devastating. After finding out what had really happened to her mum, Abby knew that she needed answers from her dad so she visited him in prison. When she asked him why he'd killed her mum, he totally denied it and said he'd only admitted murder because he didn't want Abby or Matthew to deal with the stigma of their mum's suicide. There was no remorse or sorrow, just more lies and betrayal. I was sick of it and stormed out of the prison. On a more positive note, Abby tells in the article how she is looking to the future and is determined to live her life to the full for her mum's sake. She told how she and her younger brother Matthew were close and she now has a job designing bedrooms. It is believed that Paul Longworth was released from prison in 2015, a relatively young man. So what do you make of what we've heard today? It's another shocking story of domestic violence which resulted in Tina Longworth's death at just 29 leaving her two young children to a devastated childhood. All that had been safe and true in their lives was suddenly gone in that one moment of violence from Paul Longworth. And this happened to Tina in her own home. The place where we should always feel safe I think we can all have an idea of how badly her confidence was destroyed by this nasty, pathetic, aggressive and controlling man. There were signs of his behaviour, of course, in hindsight, but Tina didn't want to break up her family, which was so important to her. Just to contrast this caring attitude and behaviour with Paul Longworth, makes me angry. I bet it does you too. 
just how many more cases of domestic abuse must we hear about on this podcast and in our papers every day? When will it stop? Also in this case, we are focused on a club. This time it's a sailing club. In other episodes, we've had other clubs such as Amateur Dramatics. And it's natural that people there have got the shared interest, they get on well, and it becomes a big part of their social lives too. And when that happens, as we all know, sometimes relationships can develop. And if both parties are happy for this, then fantastic. But when people have other partners, it can lead to all sorts of problems, as we hear so many times. So now Longworth is out living the rest of his life after taking Tina's future away from her. And yet even now he isn't big enough to really admit what he has done. Instead choosing to say that he only said what he did out of concern for his children. Some people are really hard to understand, aren't they? But enough of him. We have spent too much time talking about him already. At least we have heard that Abby and Matthew are close and trying to live full lives for the sake of Tina. We can only wish them all the very best of luck, and despite such an awful tragic event, hope that they are both able to lead happy lives going forward. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group. It is many things, but it's never boring. 85,000 people. Talking true crime 24-7, 365 days a year. I think on Christmas Day last year, there were 14 new posts. So there's always someone there to chat to. And to support this show, please head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. There's loads of bonus episodes and other exclusive content. And as I said at the start of the podcast, there is 10% off membership and your membership. Plus, I will send you a copy of my book about Scottish serial killer, Angus Sinclair. You know it makes sense. Just head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. Okay, so that's me done for another week. So thank you again so much for taking the time to listen. Until we speak again on Tuesday, please do take it easy. And despite, oh dear, despite all the others, stay classy. Cheerio for now. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.